Hello, and welcome back to my basement. My name is Anthony Parrott, and I get to serve as one of the pastors here at the Table Church. And I'm live right now, so, you know, what you have been seeing so far has been pre-recorded. Pastor Tanetta recorded some stuff. We were using things from previous services, but this is me right now because I wanted to, um, I wanted to, like, see you in the chat. Uh, and see your sassy comments about my sermon or my preaching, because your sass feeds my soul, and I need it. Uh, so here we are once again. If you are new to the, to the Table Church, then this is a new backdrop. These are, you know, these are some of my books. If you've been around for a while, uh, this is all too familiar of a backdrop because uh, this is like it's like deja vu all over again. This is where uh, a lot of our my my preaching started for the Table Church. I started at the table in March 2020, and I got installed as y'all's pastor. And then this pandemic came along, and we shut everything down, and then we thought the pandemic would come to a close, and we opened everything back up, and now here we are again. And as Pastor Tonetta already mentioned, you know, this is, this is not what we expected. This is not uh, what we what we thought was going to happen. And, you know, we honestly thought, hey, we could at least live stream from our downtown location and get the band together and everything. But apologies if this is a HIPAA violation, but it's hard to get a band together when, like, everybody has COVID or is exposed to COVID. If you're anything like me, like, you know more people than you've ever known who are currently uh, sick in some way. And it's just... It's a rough season. It's a rough season. Like, it's, uh, yes, I do have a ring light. You can see it in the reflection. So we've got some upgrades in good old Pastor Anthony's uh, uh, basement. So I wanted, I wanted to begin with a prayer. There's this excellent, excellent book of prayers called Every Moment Holy. And it's got, you know, litanies and prayers for all sorts of situations, including ones you wouldn't even think of, like for those feeling the uh, impulse to buy, or before shopping, or before eating a meal alone, or a prayer for the loss of electricity. Uh, but here is a prayer for the death of a dream. And I remember moving to D.C. almost two years ago, dear goodness, and getting on the metro and shopping for office space. And then the, the pandemic hit, and the life that I thought uh, you know, me and my family's life is going to look like dramatically changed. And as we enter into 2022, as we closed out 2021, I, I know that many of us had dreams that were, if they didn't die, they were at least delayed. So I wanted to offer up this prayer for all of that and the current angst that we're in right now. So would you, would you pray with me? And I know, you know, some of you, you've got kids uh, running about. Some of you, you're alone. Some of you, you're like trying to be religious without uh, your roommates knowing it. Like you're all in all sorts of different situations. Whatever you are in, know that God is with you and present with you and can hear uh, your prayer. So would you pray with me? Oh Christ, in whom the final fulfillment of all hope is held secure. I bring to you now the weathered fragments of my former dreams, the broken pieces of my expectations, the rent patches of hopes worn thin, the shards of some shattered image of life as I once thought 
it would be. What I so wanted has not come to pass. I invested my hopes in desires that returned only sorrow and frustration. Those dreams, like glimmering fairy feasts, could not sustain me. And in my head, I know that you, God, are sovereign even over this, over my tears, my confusion, my disappointment, but I still feel in this moment as if I have been abandoned, as if you do not care that these hopes have collapsed to rubble. And yet I know that this is not so. You are the sovereign of my sorrow. You apprehend a wider sweep with wiser eyes than mine. My history bears the fingerprints of grace. You are always faithful, though I could not always trace quick evidence of your presence in my pain. Yet you did remain at work, O God lurking in the wings, sifting all my splinterings for bright embers that might be breathed into more eternal dreams. I have seen so oft in retrospect how you had not neglected me, but had with a master's care flared my desire like silver in a crucible to burn away some lesser longing and bring about your better vision. So let me remain tender now to how you would teach me. My disappointments reveal so much about my own agenda for my life and the ways I quietly demand that it should play out, free of conflict, free of pain, free of want. My dreams are all so small. Your bigger purpose has always been for my greatest good that I would day to day be fashioned into a more fit vessel for the indwelling of your spirit, and molded into a more compassionate emissary of your coming kingdom. And you, in love, will use all means to shape my heart into those perfect forms. So let this disappointment do its work. You are the king of my collapse. You answer not what I demand, but what I do not even know to ask. Now take this dream, O God, this husk, this chaff of my desire, and give it back, reformed and remade according to your better vision, or don't give it back at all. Here in the ruins of my wrecked expectation, let me make this best confession. Not my dreams, O Lord, not my dreams, that yours be done. Amen. Amen. That, again, that's from every moment so friends we are back as much as we can be and uh, by way of just a couple of announcements we do have some learning opportunities coming this month and they will be online and i know january is already kind of a month where maybe we're hunting for some things to do and we're looking to better ourselves and we've got that New Year's fairy dust sprinkled on top of us. So a couple learning uh, opportunities that uh, we've got. As Meg mentioned in the chat earlier, uh, we've got a prayer school coming up uh, this second Wednesday of January. And it's on meditation. It's going to be taught by our Justice and Compassion Director, Allie Cole. And uh, she's been a practitioner of meditation for a while now. And meditation, contrary to some popular belief, is not contrary to prayer or to knowing God or Jesus, but rather as a way of entering into God's presence. Uh, so that will be next Wednesday, 
uh, in the evening virtually. And then the other thing that I'm really excited about, and the sermon I'm about to preach is kind of all prelude to this, is that Pastor Tanetta and I will be co-teaching a class, which I am pumped about. We're going to be co-teaching a class called Reading the Bible for Liberation, parentheses, uh, How Not to Read the Bible Like a Jackass. Pastor Tanetta came up with the Reading the Bible for Liberation title. I came up with the other title. And that's, I think, going to be a good way of how this class is going to look like of us bringing our varied and different and yet oddly similar uh, ways that we read scripture to bear in teaching you all uh, who show up about how to read scripture, not like a jerk, uh, but in ways that bring life and liberation and justice into this world. So it's going to be very much of a how-to class. It's going to be about eight weeks long, and we are really excited. So that's going to be on Sundays. I would tell you a time, except Sundays, we don't know what they're going to look like week to week right now, thanks to this whole COVID Omicron thing. So uh, we'll just say they're going to be Sundays, probably mornings, maybe afternoons. We'll let you know. And you will, you'll be in for the time of your life. With that, if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn it on, flip it open, whatever works best for you. We're in the book of Mark, which if you've been with us for a couple months, shouldn't be a huge surprise. We've been in the book of Mark uh, for some time now, and we are about to finish chapter two, friends. Uh, so a pre preview of things to come. We're going to be in the book of Mark uh, for a few weeks uh, and then we will be taking a, a break from Mark again uh, as we start Lent uh, in the top part of March, uh, which is the lead up to Easter. Uh, but we'll be looking at the book of Mark, looking specifically at this idea of how Jesus confronts the powers. And we'll be talking a lot about what the powers are, spirits and demons and uh, principalities and authorities in the world uh, but right now we're in the book of Mark, chapter 2, towards the end in verse 23. And this is what it says. It says, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some ears of corn. And the Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So we'll pause there for a moment. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with scripture or Jewish practices, Sabbath was a day of the week from sundown Friday till sundown Saturday, where because of the commands and the expectations that God placed upon the Israelites and the Jewish people in the Hebrew scriptures, this entire nation rested. And it meant that they, as much as possible, stayed at home. It meant that before sundown Friday, they would prepare meals so they wouldn't have to cook for that day. And this rest was a reminder of Yahweh God's provision that God could keep the world spinning without their labor. This was a good law. This was a good command that God had placed in the lives of God's people. And of course, it comes from the first part of the book of Genesis, where God creates the world, creates humanity, says, rule, multiply, subdue, and for your very first day, full day of being alive, rest. Because even God rested from God's labor. So this is what it's being talked about with Sabbath. Jesus 
is already breaking some expectations here because Jesus and his disciples, they're walking around. Shouldn't they be at home, not out and about walking? And they are plucking grain. This translation, the NIV says they're picking ears of corn. They are doing labor or work. Shouldn't they have prepared beforehand? And so the Pharisees, uh, who are the people's party, those who want to resist Rome, those who wanted to listen to God's word, those who wanted to be separate from all of those who were opposed to God. The Pharisees have this concern. Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? God set up this good rule, this good law, this good expectation to rest, and you are pushing back against it. We oftentimes make the Pharisees out to be enemies, out to be these villainous kind of mustache-twirling bad guys, but the Pharisees were simply wanting to listen to God. So Jesus answered, Have you ever heard what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need. In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, David entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And David also gave some to his companions. So Jesus is referring back to the story in 1 Samuel about uh, not yet King David fleeing from Saul. He and his companions are hungry, and so they go into the not-yet-temple, but a tabernacle, house for God, place of worship, and they eat this holy bread that, according to the book of Exodus and Leviticus, had been set aside for the priest only. It was consecrated, made holy, set aside for the priest who worked in the tabernacle for God. And it's interesting, if you go back to the book of Leviticus, where this bread is explained and what its purpose is and how it's set apart for just the priests, the very next story in Leviticus is about someone being stoned to death, that is to be have rocks thrown at them as a form of execution, because they had blasphemed the name of God. So you get the idea of the seriousness that this command is given. So Jesus says, have you not heard about how David, not even king at the time, he had hungry people in his group. He was hungry himself. And so he goes and breaks this command, breaks this rule, so that he can feed himself and those with him. So Jesus concludes, verse 27, Jesus says, The Sabbath was made for humanity, not humanity for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man, Jesus, is Lord even of the Sabbath. We can read scripture in one of two ways. We can read scripture in a way that makes the point of scripture obedience to it. It makes scripture out to be a God in and of itself that we must obey scripture, period. Or we can read scripture in a way that points us to a greater purpose. Namely, human flourishing, love, justice, liberation. And we see these two ways of reading Scripture coming into conflict because the Pharisees, they come at Jesus and his disciples and they see Jesus breaking this rule, this good rule, and say, why are you doing this? You are breaking a command, a command to rest, a good command. And Jesus says, yes, there was a command. To rest, a command 
to Sabbath. But what was the purpose of that command? It was human flourishing. It was knowing our limits. It was knowing when to stop, when to say no, and also when to feed yourself. Scripture has this way of, throughout history, being a tool for oppression, a tool to keep people downtrodden under rules. Uh, And these rules maybe originally were meant for good, but people get a hold of them and use them to control others. If you've been around religious communities of any sort, you probably know this tendency for organizations and institutions to bend towards oppression, to bend towards control, to bend towards keeping you down. And what was originally meant to be life-giving and soul-enriching eventually becomes soul-sucking and takes away life within us. But it is my belief that our understanding of Scripture, our interpretation of Scripture, the way that we read Scripture, is meant to bend towards love and justice and liberation. It is meant to bend towards human flourishing. When we read a piece of scripture, when we read the Bible, we are meant to ask ourselves, how do I best understand this in a way that causes myself to be more loving, that causes others to be more free? Jesus said, you will know the truth and it will set you free. So friends, if something is not setting you free, it ain't the truth. Now, many folks hear an interpretation like this one, and they will say, well, man, you're just going just gonna to bend Scripture, twist Scripture to make it mean what you want it to mean. And I suppose that, that is a way that you could go about understanding this, but that assumes that when we use Scripture to oppress, to say no, to keep people under our thumbs of control, that that's somehow not twisting Scripture to mean what we want it to mean. So I think we have to ask ourselves two questions. One, how do I understand Scripture, bend my interpretation and understanding of Scripture towards love and justice and liberation? And two, am I making sure that Scripture is also bending me towards love and justice and liberation? It's a two-way street because it's my belief, and this is probably no surprise to you if you've been around my preaching at all, that when we understand this library of documents that people and their experiences with God put together, it's my belief that if we pay attention to it and sit under good teaching and listen to its words, it will bend us towards being more compassionate and more loving and more justice-oriented. That's my belief. Now, I know you could probably point at me a thousand examples of how that hasn't happened. But, as I've said before, because someone misuses a thing doesn't mean that thing is of no good. It's my belief that when we come at Scripture wanting, desiring to be people more known by love, because Scripture itself says that God is love, if we come at Scripture desiring that, then we will find the evidence 
that we need to see that God is loving and is moving his people towards being more loving and kind and compassionate and just. And friends, I'm not saying that these are easy, easy answers. The world is a complex and dark and messed up place. And love, you know, you can say it all day long, but it, eventually it's got to put its boots on and get to work. But when we pay attention to it, it will set us free. It is the truth, and it will set us free. And I wanted to start out the year with a message like this because many of us have been hurt or harmed or somebody has tried to hurt or harm us with religion, with scripture, with Bible verses used to, you know, beat us over the head with. And you're here tonight because a group Many groups, generations of groups of people have come across this library of a collective's memory of their experience with God, and they have found something life-giving from it. They have been in, I think, darker places than even we have been, you and I have been. They have been in places with much more violence and bloodshed and turmoil. They have been under threat of sword and death, and they have come to this library of experiences, and they have found something true and something that sets them free. So as a community, as a church this year, our vision and our purpose and our goals are very much the same, that we want to thoughtfully and authentically follow the way of Jesus. We believe that if we pay attention to the way of Jesus, that if we take action in the way that Jesus took action, that that will lead us to become even more loving, even more kind, even more compassionate, much more willing to confront evil, much more willing to confront injustice. And that may make us unpopular in some places. It may make us a home for those who need have been spiritually homeless. It may do things to our life and our to our community that we did not expect. But if we listen to God, if we listen to one another, if we listen to the cries and the pleas and the voices of the marginalized and the oppressed, then I think we may just find truth that sets us free together. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious God, I thank you for the example of Jesus who did not let Tradition who did not yet let years of understanding and misunderstanding let him and his disciples go hungry for a day. I thank you for the principle that Jesus shows us that our understanding of Scripture is meant to lead towards human flourishing. It's meant to lead hungry people to food hurting people to wholeness, marginalized people to the center of belonging. So God, as a church, as a community, as a gathering of broken and wounded and bound up people, may we listen to your voice in prayer, in meditation, in scripture, in study, in conversation. May we listen to your voice as you speak through those who need a home, who need a place to belong, 
May we listen to your voice so that we may be formed into a more compassionate and justice-oriented people. We pray these things in your name. Amen. <laughs>